From Rivers Barden Architects, this is Spork in the Road, a podcast featuring conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. In this episode, our resident architects Joe Rivers and Kevin Barden visit with Rima, an artist and transmedia storyteller from Houston, Texas. I'm just going to start and see where this goes. I have a tiny idea here in the back of my mind, and I'm just going to try it out, where I need to let all of these wild seedlings just blossom and flower, and I need to give them all this space and not judge what kind of flowers are coming up and not pluck them too early, just kind of let them go. You know, if it's an ugly flower, so what? It might grow into something beautiful. Rima is an artist and current MFA candidate at the University of Houston in interdisciplinary practice and emerging forms, focusing on transmedia storytelling. Joe and Kevin sat down with Rima to discuss her path to becoming a storyteller, how her transmedia approach shows up in her current project, Allison Dark, and her advice to budding creatives. Here's Kevin, followed by Rima. Do you have a, like a gateway media or form of media that you would consider? Yeah, as I've been digging into my past, I, my mother actually told me, she was like, yeah, you were such a storyteller when you were little. You told bunny foo-foo stories that just kept going on and on, and they had <laughs> friends and family and all these things. She's like, I couldn't even keep track anymore. For a four or five-year-old, that was pretty good. Wow. I've always been drawing and telling stories. Drawing, drawing and stories. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you have a a bachelor's degree as well? Interior design? Yep, I got my BFA from the Art Institute of Houston in interior design back in 07. So what, before we jump ahead to that, what led you to interior design? And then we'll talk about what maybe, then Mm -hmm. what led from interior design to fine arts? Sure. So around the time I was like 16, 17, I started writing a story uh, I kept stealing my father's laptop, and I kept writing and writing and writing, and I shared it with my friend, and I called it Falling. But it was very teenish romance, and it wasn't quite hitting where I wanted it to go. I was like, you know, I want to be a storyteller, but I believed in all the stupid tropes, like, oh, you know, writers don't make a lot of money, artists don't make money, so I'm going to do something that's going to make money. That'll be my fallback. So... When I got to senior year, I was like, I really need to figure out what I'm going to do because I need to go to college somewhere and I really want to go to college. My girlfriend saw that I was rearranging my room and painting it and like making a design out of my space. She's like, you would be a great interior designer. I had Mm. flames going up the wall. I had like all this, like these colors that were coordinating and I had a story behind why everything was placed where it was. She was spot on. Wow. (laughs) So I ended up applying to the Art Institute of Minneapolis, and that was it. I I went from the Art Institute of Minneapolis to the Art Institute of Houston, and I stayed here. Cool. So my friend. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. What what led you from Minneapolis to Houston? I followed my partner. Yeah, he wanted to go to the Universal Technical Institute down here, and I was like, oh, there's an art institute there. I'll just, you know, transfer schools. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So you think you graduated, you're doing interior design. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then what was, what was that like? And what was that transition to kind of fire you up to go back to for a MFA? Good question. I graduated in 07. The economy had bottomed out. We had 
my partner and I had both wanted to move back up north to be a little closer to family, but there was just no jobs. And yeah. we both ended up getting jobs here. I'm like, okay, we'll just ride it out until it gets a little better. Mm-hmm. 2008, I met my writing partner because I was going to a writer's group. Oh. And we just sort of hit it off. We were the two youngest in the group and we're like, oh, we're the same age, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And we started becoming really good friends and one day he's like, I have this idea for a story. It's called Alice in Dark and it's told in pictures and words, but I can't draw. It's like, ooh, I can draw. <laughs> so that was the beginning of our journey together. Then the economy started turning around and there was an opportunity to work for McCoy, the steel case dealership. So I took that and I worked there for three years. And so fast forward, middle of my career at McCoy, we had decided like, we wanna try publishing this story. How do we do that? So we're sending it off to some agents and everyone's like, well, if you drop all the images, if you drop all these bonus features, all these other things, we will consider your story and help you out. We're like, if you can, no. If you can fit in this box. Yeah. And we're like, no. So we decided to start our own publishing company. Wow. Dark Media Group, based on Allison's last name. And we did that for two years. We started off with one of his books, Phantom Hearts, because it was nearly done. And I even got us into a South by Southwest gaming conference uh, with a table with some other steampunks, because it was a steampunk novel. And that was really great. Met some amazing people there. Sold two copies. (laughs) 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 And my writing partner and I, uh, and one of our business partners, we started looking at like really hard. And we're like, we're not selling anything. We're still in the works of trying to make things happen. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep filing taxes. And this is awful. So we folded the company, which was heartbreaking for me. I took some time off and then I went to an old dealership for two and a half years. I was working at the office, which was fantastic. I, I loved everyone there and the company values and they were in the middle of remodeling. They put me on that project. And so I helped them tell a story of their, their space. I was finding my way into how do I help you guys make a better website that now follows the new theme Mm -hmm. that we've got going on and how do I help you with this photography and these advertisements I kept finding my way into these avenues Mm -hmm. which I'm now doing more of and I'm really grateful that they allowed me to do that and I I think that really helped me understand like these are the things I like more yeah that's about the time my mom was talking to me about like oh yeah you were five four or five years old telling these stories and you know here this story keeps tugging at me Alice and Dark and I'm like I want to get back to this and Mm -hmm. So that's when I started playing around with the idea of transmedia. It's not just writing on a page. It's not just photography or drawing. It's kind of all of the ways of telling a story. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I applied to a couple of different schools. And I was looking at Australia. I was looking at one in London. Uh, I think there was another one I was looking at all around the world. And one of my friends is like, have you checked out the University of Houston? I was like, didn't come up in Google. (laughs) Uh, And he's like, well, go to their website and then type it in and see if something comes up. And that's when I saw the interdisciplinary practice. It's like, oh, this is kind of right up my alley. And then I found the professor who was teaching in that department, sat down, talked to him, asked a whole bunch of questions. And I was like, yeah, this is it. And it was three miles away from where I lived.
so is the 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 book the story you're working on um really that's is that considered like the the thesis or the the capstone that you're preparing for so our thesis we have to write a six to ten page thesis paper and then we get to to show our work in the blaffer and it's whatever we want to show in the blaffer art museum oh wow and i am planning to show alice and dark and quite possibly another body of work called cause to wonder it's awesome that you're using the the school the time that you have in school and have found a program that allows you to really sink your teeth into you know what the 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 full potential of what that of what that is what that could be yeah and it's not about the product in the end for me i find I'm so fascinated by the mechanics of the storytelling. Why is poetry not per se better than, but how is it more impactful than film and why? Mm -hmm. Like what is it poetry can only do that film can't? Mm -hmm. What is it that, you know, a photograph can do that a performance can't? What does performance do that, you know, this other medium can't? And how do I leverage those in the story to tell that portion of the story best? Hmm. When did you have that, that realization? Like, why, why didn't you just, why don't you just write stories? At what point did you realize there's different ways to tell the story that you wanted to explore? I think because I'm such a visual person, I really see my stories in my head as if they're happening. Hmm. And... When my writing partner said, I want this to be told in pictures and words, it just made sense. Mm-hmm. So I was drawing and I was telling stories and performing and I, I love dress up and you know acting. And it, they're all different forms of story and I see the through, through thread in all of them. But I think that's the way my brain works. It's kind of like a spider's web. You pull on one thing and everything else over here is being tugged mm-hmm. I can see all of that together mm. what helps you kind of figure out what would be a good medium to to, to augment and improve the, the message sometimes it really is this like coolness factor with Allison oh that would be really cool if we had a bonus feature here and then after that really picking it apart as I get a little closer and a little closer which can take a lot of time I start to see, oh, I don't think it necessarily goes here, but it's still really cool. I think it needs to go here. I'm talking about one in particular. So Allison's dad is captured at the very beginning of the story. She has to go throughout the world and hunt these magical objects to take to the evil villain to get her dad back. And the bonus feature is showing dad in this void space. It's a neither here nor there my writing partner and I were like words can't really describe this void space very well does poetry work no because that's that's super emotional for him but then we don't get to understand why he's going so crazy in this void space because there's nothing there's no one it's just pitch black Mm -hmm. and he's really going mentally insane by this point it's not photography because those are stills and like how do you really get across that emotion of him going crazy in just a couple of stills we both landed on, well, it needs to be video. Uh, so I started really picking apart the story. We read it again for the thousandth time. And I got to this part of the story that's 
coming it's in the climax allison has just gotten her third magical object and she has gone through a really harrowing experience coming to her truth realizing i didn't want mom to die her mom and her brother died when she was about nine and she's now 19 i didn't want mom to die i i wish dad would have and that's her truth and that's what unlocks the the third object and at that very moment the end of the chapter we have dad's bonus feature of him calling out to her ally ally please help me i love you and so we get to see this beautiful dichotomy between the two the juxtaposition and i, I loved wow. that emotional counterpoint right there mm. yeah it's it's really powerful What are all the different types of media that you're using in uh, Alice in Dark? The book itself, it's written with images in it, video, and in the video there's also a sound art component. Then I've got the mobile app game that I'm working on this semester. I believe there will be an auditory story that I haven't gotten to as one of the bonus features. And there will be a website. So the idea for us is if my grandma wants to read this book, she never needs to go to the website. She never needs to follow the avenues to the bonus features ever. It's almost a traditional book with just images in it. But if our target market, young adults, read the book, they can unlock these bonus features through their mobile device and see depth to the story. So the mobile game is actually bringing depth to these fairy creatures. Allison is a story keeper and she's got a couple of these stories that she tells very briefly. We don't have time to get into it in the book. And our beta readers were like, but these are so cool. We wanna know about these fairies. So they're not fairies with wings. They're like real evil fae creatures. So we created a mobile app to give more backstory and more depth to the world of Allison, but we're not seeing Allison at all. And we're not seeing her quest. It's mm-hmm. us collect, us as the player collecting Faye around the world mm-hmm. into our deck, and it's a deck builder. So they can access it that way. Someone who finds out about the game and plays it never needs to read Alice in Dark. It should stand alone. Wow. What, what's it been like to collaborate? I love collaboration. That's a big part of my practice. I don't think I could not collaborate. The ideas I get from people that I would have never thought of myself, that sometimes, yeah, take the project in a slightly different direction than I was thinking, but it's almost always better than I ever thought. They're asking questions. They're posing things that, oh, yeah, like, now that you say that out loud, that's totally legit. Let's do that. Yeah, my writing partner and I, I mean, we're really good friends, and we just clicked from day one. For you creating a story, what is that process like? How do you approach that? With my writing partner and I, we're different in this aspect. He likes to know the beginning and the end and fill in the middle and then really plot it out, Mm -hmm. whereas I'm more of the free-flowing, organic like, I'm just going to start and see where this goes. 
I have a tiny idea here in the back of my mind and I'm just gonna try it out. I see my creative process, like I have these two different artistic sides of me. One is the subconscious, where I need to let all of these wild seedlings just blossom and flower and I need to give them all this space and not judge what kind of flowers are coming up mm -hmm. and not pluck them too early, just kind of let them go and not get criticism from any other person. And you know, if it's an ugly flower, so what? It might grow into something beautiful. That part takes a long time, and I'm trying to give myself more space for that and do a lot more research and just let it percolate there. And then the other side of me, which is in stark contrast, is the, the designer analytical side. Okay, I've got this thing done now. How do I make it work? But if I let that come too early, it will totally mm. kill all the flowers. That's an interesting metaphor. It's, 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 yeah, it's great that you have both of those parts of you, but I'm sure it's a constant struggle to, no, no, it's like, Organize analytical. You just need to sit down and be quiet and let 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 me run through the wildflowers for a while and then all right, wildflowers. We got to be serious and let's let's pull it together now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes I pick a flower and I'm like, oh, you're beautiful. Let's you know, let's go on this path. And I start to realize I've picked four flowers. <laughs> They're four <laughs> different projects. <laughs> like, how do I pull these second. apart? <laughs> Oops. Oh, just one. <laughs> yeah. What's been something that's helped you follow your passion? What advice would you give our listeners to follow their passion? It took me really breaking down and coming to terms with myself. Like, what is it that makes me tick? Doing a lot of research, doing a lot of research, really pulling myself apart and going through my past, going through everything, talking to my mother was really instrumental starting to recognize things that I'd been leaving behind that I was just, it made me shake every time I heard someone talk about it. Like, oh my God, I want to do that so bad, but I can't. Listen to that. And when you start uncovering that and finding that, that part of you that starts speaking and like, oh my God, this makes me so happy. It makes you sing. Like, go after it. It's terrifying to think like, what if I just fall off this cliff? But what if you spread your wings and you fly? Both are equally true. And whatever you believe is what is going to happen. Nice. Whew, man, I want to go out and do everything that I wanted to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> much for just sharing this journey with us it's been yeah really thank you so much you better. yeah thank you guys this yeah. is awesome for more information on rima visit her website at rima.rocks a special thanks goes out to our guest rima to our interviewers extraordinaire joe rivers and kevin barden and to those of you joining us for season four of the podcast. This episode was produced, edited, written, narrated, and music by Scott Barton. Visit Rivers Barden Architects online at riversbarden.com.